it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL. The Jets lead Minnesota 3-1 in the second period. Canucks up 1-0 against the Avalanche with about 5.20 left in the first. Third period, Capitals leading the Devils 5-2. Rangers leading the Stars 2-1. Penguins and Islanders 4-4. Overtime looming. 10 seconds left. Panthers and Senators tied 2-2. Still to come tonight, Predators at Golden Knights. Blue Jackets will play the Kings. Oilers, Bruins tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. 6.30 for the face-off show. Game at 8. Rogers Place also hosts a game in the afternoon. The Oil Kings will play... Calgary at 11 a.m., their hockey hooky game. Scotty's today in Calgary, Alberta, rolling along. The Sturmey rink now 5-0 after taking down Quebec 8-3. U of A Golden Bears will visit UBC for a best-of-three Canada West semifinal series. It'll start Friday in Vancouver. Game 2 Saturday. If they need Game 3, it'll be Sunday. And I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports former NHL defenseman and now the head coach of UBC. Well, he's been the head coach there for a while. Sven Butenschon checking in. Sven, it's Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for making time to talk to me. I I think we've done two previous interviews and both in the hallway outside the coach's dressing room at Claire Drake Arena. So uh, (laughs) got you on the phone here tonight. Hey, um, let's just start, first of all, uh, what a season for you guys. I mean, you go 22-4-2. You're ranked fifth in the country. Oddly enough, there's a Canada West team ranked higher than you, even though you finished (laughs) higher than them in the standings. But that doesn't matter now. It's into the playoffs. Um, how how have you how did you do against expectations this season? I guess. Well, it, you know, classic coach answer would be we had high expectations for our group, and uh, and the guys put high expectations on themselves. Um, but I guess to go deeper the process starts years years ago right from uh when you take a, a program over um it, and the recruiting uh process is crucial i mean you look at the u of a golden bears they've they've been um one of the top uh recruiting schools over the years and it results in all the banners in the arena right so uh long process with the recruiting and then by year three four five you start to see it come to fruition and then and then it's about um the final touches uh can you compete with the u of a golden bears and the saskatchewan huskies and the calgary downs because canada west is so competitive there's so many good hockey players in in western canada and uh and it's been a dog fight uh, since i started the job and that's that's why i love the job well, I, I, you're right about being a dogfight. This is uh, number one against number five. It's an eight 
point difference. So <laughs> I don't know if uh, you, you guys are favored. You'd probably say, please don't say that, Reed, because it is so close. Um, but but I, I I do, and you mentioned that process, and, and you took over, you were there as an assistant, and then you took over as the head coach in 16-17, and I looked at all the the how you guys did each season. You were kind of around 500 for four years. You got the big upset in 2020 over the Bears uh, to go to Nationals. But now the last three years, like 14, 5, and 1, 26, and 2, 22, 4, 2. So when you, when you took over, though, like how – how do you start the recruiting? Like, how do you start selling UBC and saying, look, I know you're really good and, and players like you usually go to the Huskies or the Golden Bears. How do you sell that you're, you're really, how do you really convince the kids you're starting to build something there when it's been tough there for a while? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I can't, I don't know how other, how other schools do it or how previous coaches have done it. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty honest guy. I like to have fun. I try to treat them like professionals uh, rather than junior hockey uh, players, just because you know I played for 17 years and uh, and I uh, that's that's what I know. So um, we we run a, a professional organization, and uh, once the guys realize that I'm not a junior coach that will uh, micromanage and uh, ride you real hard. Um, they appreciate it. They they seem to really thrive on it. Um, they all have a, a voice in meetings, and uh, I always ask them to contribute in you know philosophical conversations we have as far as culture and team identity and all that stuff. And I think once you start winning, then then more kids will start start answering your phone calls, and then once you start going to nationals, then the kids start reaching out to you. So that makes the, the recruiting process a lot easier once you start winning. How, how big, and it was kind of weird because you guys got derailed at nationals by COVID. And, and maybe you'll tell me I'm overstating it because I live in Edmonton and I pay a lot of attention to the Bears, obviously. But how big was that upset of the Bears in 2020 and to get to nationals? Because that actually wasn't as good a regular season as some of the other ones you guys had, but you got to the tournament. It was huge. I've been in hockey my whole life. Like I said, 17 years pro in WHL and uh, seven years in Europe. Um Winning in the Claire Drake when you're uh, a heavy, heavy underdog uh, was just a Cinderella story. Um, that there's still a few guys on our team that were a part of that that run, and we have such a bond, uh, and we always will. I think just you know I can remember it like it was yesterday. That's that rink is. I mean, you guys know how unique it is and how electric it is. And to go in there and you win a Friday night in overtime when you probably shouldn't have. And then Saturday, uh, you get spanked. And then now it's Sunday. Like, what's going to happen? You just try to survive. And our our goalie, Ryan Toth, just kept keeping us in it, keeping us in it. And uh, in the third period, Tyler Sandu uh, throws a, a bad angle shot on. It goes in. And we just hung on for dear life after that. It's amazing how well you still remember that. <laughs> which yeah, is, I know, right? Which, which is really cool. Um, so are, are you at the point now where players are calling you or, or you're like, oh, geez, this guy's actually sending me an email or his parent, I don't know if agents can talk to you, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Or do you think, has it come oh, that far? Yeah, like there's, you know, it, it, recruiting in our league is real tough because the kids are still waiting for the New York Rangers to call and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not quite 
going to give up on their NHL aspirations, and we have to convince them that they're they're not over. I mean, um, there's there's still uh, lots of hockey and opportunity after uh, U Sports. But, um, for example, I, I gave a, an NHL draft pick uh, a call a few months ago, um, and I probably, you know, wasn't sure how it was going to go just because he was a, a fourth-round pick in NHL. And when I called, he said, Spen, I was waiting for your call. So uh, just kind of uh, proves that uh, our our organization, our program, is, is kind of a, a bit of a destination right now. Well, which is uh, huge because I, I believe you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I reached out to somebody. I don't think that uh, UBC has won Canada West since 1971, so a chance to do that uh, for the first time in a long time. Sven Boutenshawn joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Coaches UBC in Canada West. They host the U of A in a semifinal this weekend. Uh, how do you look at the Bears? You beat them twice uh, first half of the season. I was at the Friday night game just two or three weeks ago uh, when you guys – uh, one and your goaltender I thought was outstanding especially in the second half of the game and then they got you guys in overtime on on uh, Saturday how do you look at this series coming up uh, a, a new it's playoffs it's a new season when, when we were watching them play Saskatchewan last weekend uh, they're playing their best hockey it looks like uh, once they got going um, on Saturday they were the better team um, their top players seemed to be playing their best hockey um, they they still are the, the, the Golden Bears in my eyes, uh, regardless of their record, um, regardless of where, uh, you know, some of the, they don't have those top scores uh, that they usually do, but uh, we still have so much respect for them and we're, we're going to prepare uh, for for a hot team that that's coming in with some confidence and and battle tested. That's the the one issue that uh, you know Stan's always talks about it in Alberta is that you. It's great you get a first or second seed, but then you have that buy uh, while the other teams are going toe to toe and and getting their feet wet in the playoffs already. So we're we're preparing for a team that's that's coming in um, you know on firing all cylinders. You mentioned. I just want to kind of circle back. You mentioned how it was important to you to to treat the players like more like they're playing pro hockey um, than than they're playing junior. Now, having said that, they're still juggling all their schoolwork and all that kind of stuff like that. But did you, did you have that approach the first year, or did you adapt along the way? And like, did you have a light bulb moment where it's like, wait a minute, I mean, like these guys are 22, 23, 24. Like, I I, I can't treat them like they're 17, 18. Or do, or did you have that at the beginning? Yeah, no, I had it right at the beginning. It's um, you, you talked to a lot of um, coaches who were former players. You you probably wanna implement things that you've uh, learned along the way uh, and also you don't want to do things that um, some of the coaches that, that you didn't like uh, over the years. So uh, I always appreciated the coaches that um, treated you uh, with with respect and gave you an opportunity to uh, talk and to, to speak your mind and uh, a part of that also is the stress that our, our athletes go through, like with, with traveling and, and long road trips and then having to write uh, exams and prepare for midterms. And at UBC, especially guys in business and kinesiology, I see what they're doing and man, it, it's tough and it's stressful. So 
uh, I try to balance that out by um, when they get to the rink, just take that stress off, have as much fun as possible. Um, we'll battle, we'll compete, but we'll have as much fun as possible just to offset the stress from their uh, academics. Yeah, I like how you put that. That's that's a great approach. Sven, I don't get to talk to you often, so I'm just going to throw you a couple more. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, you were you were briefly an Edmonton Oiler. I believe it was 21 games over a couple of seasons that you got into. Uh what do you remember about Mac T? He was your coach at the time, or maybe he was one of those that you yeah. got things you didn't like from. But no, no I don't think I, that was the case. <laughs> no, I loved Mac T. Um, I, I regret not signing another year there, just uh, just because I, I love Mac T. And Charlie Huddy was great for me uh, working the D two and Mark Lamb up front. Like the whole coaching organization uh, staff was was just awesome. Um, and Mac T, he'd come in with so much energy and so much passion and uh and you could just tell his his love of the sport and uh and his energy and and that's kind of what i remember from mac t all right and i'll throw you one more memory lane question uh because besides playing for the canucks and now coaching at ubc the city of vancouver uh, also provided you an opportunity to play in the Olympics, right? This was Germany yeah. in 2010. Uh, I just sure, was yeah. looking back on the results. Man, oh man, you guys didn't give up a lot of goals. The problem was you didn't get many yourself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, and then you wound up playing Germany in the, in uh, I guess I think they call it the qualification, or you, you sorry, yeah, you wound yeah. up playing Canada yeah. in the qualification yeah. round. But look, I know I'm sure you would have loved to get in a couple more games, but just that experience of being in an Olympic hockey tournament in Canada. Wow, unreal! I mean, who who gets to play in the Olympics in your home city? Because uh, my family and I had already moved to, to Vancouver at that point from Winnipeg, and we lived in Kitsilano, and the Olympic Village was a ten-minute walk from there. So, I got to bring the kids uh, to the Olympic Village and the cafeteria, and um, we were just talking about Yermer Yager today because of all the, the the TV time he's getting right now, and uh, my son remembers. Uh, running into him uh, at the cafeteria and we played together in Pittsburgh and uh, it brought back some memories for, for my son Magnus uh, uh, with the way he is on TV today and then uh, yeah the, 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 we had Team Germany over to the house uh, for a dinner and the whole neighborhood came around and uh, got some great pictures on the front steps and then uh, yeah just uh, being a part of the buzz in the uh, the, the city uh, during that time was was just incredible yeah awesome memory well Sven thank you for being so generous with your time incredible job you've done at UBC it's going to be a great series this weekend between you guys uh, and the Golden Bears thank you so much for your time I hope we can talk again soon yeah, no problem. Anytime. That is Sven Butenshawn checking in tonight. Uh, yeah, quite a, a career he has had. Uh, born in Germany, but grew up in uh, in Winnipeg. Played in the Western Hockey League. Uh, kind of as a pro, was between the AHL and the NHL, and then played several years in Germany. Uh, I think his final seven years as a pro were in Germany, and then got into coaching. And it's incredible what he's done at UBC. I mean, this has this was not been a good hockey program at UBC, and now he's built the 
them up to the point, like he said, he's he's getting those NHL draft picks who maybe aren't real, or, you know, maybe are realizing they're not going to make the NHL. They're going to the Thunderbirds. Uh, they have some former Oil Kings on the team: Connor McDonald, Josh Williams. Uh, they're important members of that team as well. So, yeah, well well earned what he has been able to accomplish. And the matchup this weekend: twenty two four and two UBC against eighteen eight and two Alberta. The winner goes to the Canada West final. Canada West gets two spots at Nationals, which are in Toronto this year, so the winner of this series will go to Nationals. Okay, 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. The uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, they're doing great. My goodness. They have won again. Panthers uh, knock off the Senators 3-2 in overtime. So that's six straight wins for them. I believe 10 of their last 11 as well. Uh, Panthers are the top team in the Eastern Conference. Having said that, oh, the Rangers won as well. Oh, this includes both results. Rangers are up to eight straight wins. Yeah, both teams going well. The uh, third, well, Rangers and Boston tied for second, technically, in the East. Boston here tomorrow to play the Oilers. Was that a convoluted enough way to give the standings in the East, Kellen? Florida, yes. Florida, 78 points. New York and Boston, both 77. They've all played 56 games. All right. Wow. Yeah. Real dogfight. Real dogfight. Uh, 780-496-0063. I think we got time for one here, Kellen. Yeah. I uh, got a lot of traffic about this one on a text line here, so I'll just pick one of the texts that came in uh, regarding this player. Sam texted in and simply asked, should the Oilers have kept Nick Bukestad instead of going after Connor Brown? Oh, well, well in hindsight, yes. I think... Okay, here's the thing. Connor Brown they got for the league minimum plus the bonus for next year based on 10, 10, 10 games played. Connor Brown offensively has literally done nothing. I mean, what does he have, what does he have four or five assists? He has fewer assists than, than Vinny. Um, I th- in, in the offseason, I think the Oilers felt they needed to round out the top six and that was probably harder to get than somebody who could maybe take Bukestad's role. So that's why they did that. Now, Bukestad got a two-year contract from Arizona with a cap hit of 2.1. So two years, 4.2 million. So 2.1 per season. The Oilers, unfortunately, didn't have that to, to pay a bottom six player. I would have loved for Bukestad to stay. Uh, I, I know earlier in the season, especially when the Oilers were doing poorly, there was a lot of, they missed Costin, they missed Costin, they missed Costin, and, and I stand by, I'd sooner have Nick Bukestad than Clem Costin any day, and I think, given how they're playing this season, that, that kind of bears itself out. I, I think at the time, choosing between Brown and Bukestad 
wasn't really the scenario. I think the scenario was choosing between Brown and, and keeping Yamamoto. Uh, and they chose Brown. Now, again, what can you say about Brown? He like he literally has zero goals. He's been healthy. Was he scratched the last game or the game before? It was this yesterday's game, I believe. Yesterday's game, he yeah. Was scratched, so, yeah. it's that has not turned out well. There's there's no doubt about that. And then especially, you got that cap. The, his bonus basically starting as a cap penalty next season. But I I I hope I. I might not be answering the question, but I, I don't think the choice was between do we try to retain Nick Bugstad or sign Connor Brown. I think given the roles they play, you probably look at was it you know keeping Yamamoto for a, another year or signing Connor Brown. They chose to sign Connor Brown, who they were able to get for a league minimum cap hit to fit him under this year. Unfortunately, now they're stuck with that penalty next year for a guy who might not score. I mean, we're two-thirds of the way through the season. It's, it's very possible he might not have any goals by the end of the year. All right, appreciate that. 780-496-0063. I can also tell you the Islanders beat the Penguins 5-4 in overtime. Canucks have a 1-0 lead on the Avs after one. Did you say Zadorov left that game, Kel? Yeah, he left the game about halfway through the first period and has not returned. Okay, keep an eye on that. JT Miller has his 28th. Tomorrow at 11, Oil Kings hockey hooky at Rogers Place against Calgary. Tomorrow night, 5 o'clock for Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. 6.30 for the face-off show. 8 o'clock for the game here on 6.30, Chad. Oilers start a five-game homestand against the Boston Bruins. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer tonight. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. 